This is Pastor Richard, and he's from Zimbabwe. He's um, you've got this thing going on in Africa at the moment where they're, they're praying for people who are raised from the dead, and they, they keep raising people from the dead. Did you know that? So it's happening a lot in Mozambique, in Zambia, in Zimbabwe. It's happening a lot. In fact, it's happening so much that they've, they've got rules <laughs> that you've got to be under 40 to be prayed for, to be raised from the dead, because there's too many people coming back from the dead. Which is awesome, isn't it? Utterly awesome. This isn't one of the weird pastors who prays for people to be raised from the dead. This is one of the pastors who has been raised from the dead. This gentleman was dead for two days. Cold, stiff, you know. And they prayed for him just before they were going to do the funeral. And he coughed and sneezed. And here he is. That happened last summer, our summer, their winter. So last July, I think it was, it happened. You stand next to this guy, and it's like you're standing next to someone who's got their fingers in the plug. The energy coming off, off of him is just phenomenal. The power. But he's such a quietly spoken man until he starts to pray. Then he goes, funnily enough, he goes all African on us and gets, gets going. But most of the time, he's just very gentle. Very peaceful, very calm. I got introduced to him. This guy was part of Bob Eckblad's. You've heard Chris and I talk about Bob before. Uh, he was part of Bob's team who was doing the conf That's actually in Tree of Life, in the place where they meet. And um, it's me sneaking a photograph of him sitting next to me. <laughs> I asked his permission if I could use it, so it's fine. And he got to pray for me, and he put his arms around me, And I just went, whoa. I just felt this whoosh. And I just wanted to shout. A good shout. Just wanted to shout. My lungs just filled right up. I just wanted to shout. And he, <coughs> I'll use you, dear, as it's, could you stand up, please? So he's got his arms around me like this. <laughs> and he's like that. And he just whispers a word, thank you, into my ear. We've never talked. And he says to me, roar like a mighty lion. Roar and the lions will follow you. Have the courage. Then he said, I, no, no, I said to him, why did you think of lions? What, what made you? And he said, well, my name's Richard and you're English. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought of Richard, this is exactly what he said, I thought of Richard the Lionhearted. He didn't even say Richard the Lionheart, he got it wrong. But of course, it made it more right. Because <laughs> he talked about the Lionhearted, which is us.
So I'm, I'm encouraged, <laughs> to say the least. This is all going to lead into confession, I promise. Keep praying, because this isn't easy for me. The Lord has been talking to me over the last... So this happened two weeks ago. And he'd been talking to me for a couple of weeks before that. He'd been poking me in the vulnerables and just gently going, listen to me, listen to what I'm saying, listen to what I'm saying. Richard's daughter came the following day. She's living in Cape Town, university, there. Um, living in a place called Guguletu, which is a black township. Anyway, she's sitting behind me with Richard, and we're in worship, and Cape Town has got a thing called load shedding. Hands up who's heard of load shedding? Some of you. Basically, they switch electricity off. They, the, the, the electricity board is run so badly that they have to switch it off, and sometimes it's off for an hour, maybe two a day. I think there was one day we had eight hours when it was off, you know, which you just got to think about when you're going to cook <laughs> and just you can't have a shower and where we were you couldn't flush the loo because she was it was on on a borehole and the electric pump didn't work when it's you just had to be careful so the worship I've, I've got a bone to pick with johnny as well because he's spoiled worship wherever i go now it's never quite as good as it is here so which has got nothing to do with worshiping you lot well maybe it has <laughs> But worship at the Tree of Life, they just didn't bother, they didn't plug anything in, because when was electricity going to be on anyway? And we didn't have any screens. So I'm singing in tongues most of the time, because half the songs I don't know, which is fine, cause I sing in tongues. And even the songs I know, I can't remember the flipping words to all of them. So I'm still <laughs> just singing in tongues. And Richard's daughter is sitting behind me. And so we're in worship. And when, I, when we worship stops, I look and she's sitting in front of me. And she turns around to me and she says, you've got a lovely voice. Thank you. Do you realize you're singing in Undabele? Which is Zimbabwe's second language. No idea. I'm singing in tongues, aren't I? And she said, well, yes, your tongue is Undabele. And she said, do you want to know what you've been singing? Would you like me to tell you what the words you've been singing? I said, well, yes, because if they're heresy, I'd quite like to <laughs> stop it. You know? She said, you've been extolling the Lion of Judah and saying how mighty his roar is and how majestic he is and how beautiful his mane is. And it's, she said, you've just picked up on that image and it's been all about lions. And I just looked at her and went, you've been talking to your dad? And she said, no, no, I'm not, I'm not seeing him. I'm listening here. I'm listening to what this man is saying. And the Lord's given me a couple of words prior to this, but this is what Richard says. Here you go. Papa is always ready to provide. We never put out an asking basket. We give thanks for what he's told us and know he will provide. Why do we ask other people to provide when Father has already said he will provide? 
And when he said that, I just went, because oh, the Lord had been at me all week, or for a couple of weeks. And the first thing I need to do before you guys is to say sorry. I did something wrong earlier in the year. Badly wrong. And it's causing more problems than it should have done. So I need to come in repentance before you lot and say I'm sorry. The Lord has said very clear. Remember I preached on giving in September? And I said to you all, I've never done this before. Because I've never... And the Lord said to me, you did not have permission to preach that sermon. I never gave you permission to preach that sermon. You listened to the advice you were given, and you came under pressure. I'm not blaming the people who nagged me, persuaded me, because there's lots of people, and lots of people I love and respect. It was their thinking and their thoughts. Think about it. Did Jesus love and respect Peter? And when Peter gave him advice, what did Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. Sometimes, unwittingly, unknowingly, the closest to you can give you the... the, Yeah. But it's my problem. I'm not blaming them in any way, shape or form. I came under that. I said to the Lord, but you honoured it. Our money ticked up. And he said to me, short-term gain, long-term problem. So we got money, but it's injected fear. It's injected worldly thinking into the way we do finances. (coughs) Bob said this. This is Bob Eckblad. Chris will tell you, Bob's job is to fry people's brains and come at things differently. Good ideas always come from the enemy. Good ideas always come from the enemy because they're worldly. They're not revelation. They're not God ideas. So I'm going to come in repentance in a moment. But here are the questions. What are we leaning on? What do we rely on? God always stands against the world system. God always stands against worldly ways. He always stands against the religious ways. We need to cooperate with him to subvert finances, economics, politics. Good things, this is what the world says. Good things happen because of hard work or good luck. Bad things happen because of God. Think about insurance, you know. Acts of God, they're always the bad things, aren't they? And good things only happen because we've worked hard. One of the things I had to come in repentance of was my pride. My pride that I could teach you into change. That because I taught about giving, you would give. And I could make it happen. Now I know I can't. (laughs) But there was a pride in that. Even though I was fighting doing the teaching, I still bowed. My pride in me was the open door 
for me to do the wrong thing. If I just keep teaching, if I keep teaching, the penny will drop eventually and they'll get it and they'll just give more. Yeah. No. The Lord brings revelation. Not me. I offer what I've got, but it's from the Lord. I'm not preaching, I'm just sharing this with you and I want to get it right. The worldly thinking is a problem. I'd like us to come. I'm going to come in repentance. Please, join me if you can. If you gave because I taught, I'm sorry. If you gave because the Lord told you, I'm not sorry. Because <laughs> that's what should happen. It's the classic thing, you know, Father is going to provide for us. So why do I ask you to provide for us? Now, the Lord may use you to provide, but he's going to speak to you, not because I've asked you. So please, receive my apologies and my heartfelt repentance for preaching the wrong thing at the wrong time without permission I promise you we'll put it right I promise you the heart towards finances will change again and go back to where God wants us to be And we, but we need to be in this together am I clear? yeah? I don't want you misunderstanding. We've been binding up the Leviathan and goodness knows what else. But I don't want you to misunderstand this. I'm not moaning about anybody else. I'm holding my hand up and saying, I shouldn't have done that. And it's affected all of us. So I'm going to come in repentance. Please take your time. What you need to come in confession for. Johnny's going to lead us in worship. And when you're ready, off the back of that confession, please come and take communion. It's been consecrated. We did it at 8 o'clock this morning. But I'm going to do my bit first. Lord, you've given me responsibility and authority and care of these wonderful people here. And Lord, you have shown me what I've done wrong. And therefore what I've sown in to the psyche, the mindset. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. I've always said I'll only preach what I hear the Father saying. I'll only do what I see the Father doing. Forgive me, Lord, where I've come under worldly thinking, where I've come under the pressure from people I love and respect Lord I release them they owe me nothing but Lord as the, as the rector here at St Leonard's I receive your forgiveness and we choose to move into a new place for you are Jehovah Jireh you are Abba and you love to bless your children Come, Holy Spirit, 
soften our hearts as we take, as we come in confession ourselves, as we take communion, yes, as a statement of victory, yes, as a statement of my, but also a statement of unity. That we worship together in the body and blood of Christ. Come, Holy Spirit, release us, Lord. I wasn't going to do this, but I think I've got to. Don't get me phone to behave itself. I'm going to read you two more words I was given. These are for me. This is where you know, I want you to know where I'm coming from. Okay? And then we'll get into the scripture. <laughs> Promise. This was given to me by a lady in... I'd been to an encounter, like an encounter evening, um, called Kingdom Come. In Manenberg, Pete and Sarah helping to organise it. Black people, coloured people, white folk, English people, Swedes, goodness knows what else, a whole mixture of people. And the heart was amazing. And the guy spoke from Singapore. And was the headed up YWAM in Singapore. YWAM? Yes. Yes. De look, looks for detail. <laughs> awesome. Awesome evening. Then the week afterwards, I think Wendy had gone, or oh, a couple of weeks off, a month, no, it was a month later, Wendy had come home. I went to a, an evening at St. John's Weinberg, which is a big Anglican church, a biggish Anglican church. I felt young, and I was one of the brownest people there. <laughs> very white, very monochrome, very middle class. But the heart was exactly the same. And I said to the guys in Manenberg, um, I bet the guys from Weinberg wouldn't come here, would they? And they went, oh, no. I said, but would you go there? Oh, no. I said, so the problem's at both ends. Because <sighs> if, if they're not like us, we don't want to mix. And you see that in apartheid, but you see that in worship styles in church. You see that in cultural things in England, whatever. Yeah. But don't read the Daily Mail. We don't want to talk to them. And you better not talk to me then. Um, and this lady came up to me. This is before I've met Pastor Richard. Okay. I've got it nicely written out here because I realised it was important and I got it to start again and recorded it. Will you stand like Moses? Will you bring my courageous people, well, hello, there's a little resonance, out of their new and renewed bondage? Will you stand with Pharaoh's forces at your back? You cannot retreat, for that way is certain death and deeper bondage. Pleasant, so far. Will you stand with the waters of confusion and chaos in front of you? There's no human way through the waters. Will you stand before the waters and command them to part? Will you find Aaron and her and Joshua, read the scriptures, so they will hold up your arms so the battle is won completely. This is the beginning of the nerdle at me. And then this. 
I was sending Wendy stuff so that I wouldn't forget it because I'd forgotten my pad of paper. Just heard the Lord say to me, go large, raise the dead, heal the sick, take the decisions that are kingdom and are not sensible. Ready? Take those with you who'll come. If they don't want to come, if they, the majority, don't want to come, then shake the dust from your feet. Don't panic. When I told a number of the staff that I was going to say what I said before communion, I said, I've got a big thing to say on Sunday. No, I'm not leaving. <laughs> there was a momentary panic, wasn't there? Where's Ruth come? There was a momentary panic. No, no, my, my first call is here. Give them the time I show you and change the things you know should already be changed. It's coming, guys. Watch and wait. Then change the other things I will show you. I will provide. You will go large or you will get out. So we're going for it. There's sort of no point not going for it. If their hearts are soft to me, they will follow follow you as you roar. But you must roar and not be distracted. Your mind do not belong to any group but to me. Your roar will find people and they will come. This is why I got Kathy to share. Many who will follow you do not know yet. Roar, lion, roar. So, Romans 8. Get to the sermon, Laurie. Romans 8. If you can come tonight, we've got encounter. Sort of a two-point sermon. I was writing the sermon, then realised there was far too much to go in one. So you're going to get the second half tonight if you can if you can get out to it. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want us to focus in on that phrase, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Do you know what the word nothing means? It means nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Of course we do. I'm not a gambling man, but if I was, I'd wager that you also believe something that completely contradicts that. Sin separates us from God, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. 
What does Paul say? Is Paul intelligent? Is Paul careful about what's he, what he writes? Does Paul actually take great, great care to make sure he uses the right words at the right time? Absolutely. And what separates us from God? But we believe that sin separates us from God, don't we? You've been taught this. I've seen it taught. I've taught it. You know what it is? Rubbish. It's not true. Sin stops us experiencing God's love, but does not separate us from God's love. And by heck, we need to get hold of that. This was day one of Bob's teaching. I texted Chris, didn't I? Remember, we're two hours in front, so about half past nine there, half past seven, I'm going, Chris, pray, Bob's frying my brain. Already, first statement. But we've heard it taught, haven't we? I've taught it. But it's not true. It's not true. If you want to stick to your Calvinism, it's true. If you want to stick to the Bible, it's not true as an old Calvinist standing in front of you. It's not true. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Isn't that good? And I can see some of you already going, well, yes, if you're in Christ, you can't be separate. No. Are we good, good mission-minded people? So what do we tell people out there? God hates your sin. That's what we tell them, isn't it? What do we tell them? God Loves you. Even in their sin. God loves them. Nothing, nothing, just in case you haven't got it, absolutely flipping nothing can separate you from the love of God. But your sin can stop you experiencing that. Whether you're in Christ or not. Look at how many times in the Gospels Jesus heals someone who hasn't repented. It's disgraceful, isn't it? That's what upsets the Pharisees. Jesus sits with tax collectors and prostitutes, people who are clearly sinners. And he loves them. Not because they've changed, not because they've come in repentance, not because they're born again, not because he loves them. Why? Because they're his children. Three quick examples. Cain. Do you remember him? Yeah? Bad lad. Brings an offering to God which isn't acceptable. Yeah? So that's sin. So God rejects him. Actually, go back to Genesis and read it. Cain brings a bad offering and God comes up and goes, Cain, what's wrong? Why are you so downcast? Hang on, God is speaking to Cain. 
God is coming up to Cain and engaging with him in Cain's sin. Hmm. Cain goes on and has a good moan and a whinge. And God continues and says, sin is crouching at your door, but you can master it. God, in Cain's sin, God says, you can do this. He brings encouragement. That's how much judgment there is. God is love. Well, we always go, don't we? God of the Old Testament is a God of judgment. God of the New Testament is garbage. God is love. And if he's not God of love then, he's not God of love now. Judgment only ever comes because of our choices, not because of God's intentions. Oh, Cain. Back to Cain. Just to compound the sin, he murders his brother. Big time sin now. Yeah? Grown-up sin. Murder. Not just moaning and grumbling, but murder. What does God do? This is it. Go. God comes up to him and says, hang on, God comes up to him and says, that's how much sin gets between God's presence and Cain. Where's your brother? The ground cries out. The blood from the ground cries out. Where's your, am I my brother's keeper? Cain's not doing it right, but God is still there. And Cain still rejects what God is saying. And what does God do to Cain next? He puts a mark on Cain and says, anybody kills this man, excuse me, anybody kills this man, there's going to be judgment on them. Hang on, but Cain's a sinner. And God is protecting him and loving him. Now Cain, it says, turns his back on God and walks away. And what happens to Cain is he dies. Why does Cain die? Why does he come under the, uh, out of the Lord's project protection? Why is he outside the garden? Why is all that? Because he chooses to be. God's reaction all the time is come back, come back, come back. Come, you're my child, come back. I love you, I love you, I love you. It's not God's judgment, it's our choice. Elijah. What a victory. Water on the altars and the prophets of Baal getting all unnecessary. And then Elijah just goes, fire, Lord. Bang. Great. What does Elijah do? Jezebel turns to him and says, I'm going to kill you. What does Elijah do? Legs it. You won't find that phrase in the scriptures, but this is essentially what he does. He runs. And what does he end up saying? What does Elijah end up saying? He's just had this amazing victory. And what does Elijah end up saying? I wish I was dead. Whose is it to take life and give life? God's. I wish I was dead. Is he sinning? Is he in rebellion? Is he running from God? And yet God comes in the small, still 
voice and engages with him and speaks to him because sin separates us from God. By this point, my head is going, bing, 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 bing. You've already heard the third one I said about Peter and get behind me, Satan, so I won't do the third one. I did that earlier. Peter, the great disciple. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. But what does he do at the end? What does he do on the, sea, on, on the beach? What does he do? Jesus, the risen Jesus, calls Peter to him because Peter's sin has separated him from God and talks to him and engages with him because Peter's sin clearly has separated him from, from Jesus' love. No, Jesus just wants to go, I want to restore you. Feed my sheep. Is it good news? Is this good news? Do you know there is nothing you can do and nothing that you can say that will separate you from the love of God? There's plenty you can do and plenty that you can say that stops you experiencing that. But there's nothing you can do. I'm going to have to borrow you because you're the only person that's seen this happen. We're going to do what the guy did from YWAM. Right? So when I'm God. <laughs> Wendy's walking with God. She turns her back on God. And she starts to walk away. What does God do? Come. Do I do that? Come back. Come on. What does God do? Come. Go again. Go again. So as soon as she turns as soon as she turns around. Come back. God is always there. It doesn't matter how you feel. You can be struggling, you can be wrestling, you can be confused, you can be joyful and full of hope. And for God is always there. Whether you recognize that or not. That's why you have everything you need to live this godly and holy life, because he is always there. Psalm 8, very quickly. More way out of time. That's not Psalm 8. <laughs> there we go. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies. It's a good stronghold, this one. We use that word negatively most of the time. To silence the foe and the avenger. That's our job, is to silence the foe and the avenger. Jesus has defeated him and we're to silence him. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. Whoa! Whoa! But we're all a bunch of dirty, rotten sinners. but we're a bunch of dirty, rotten sinners. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's Paul, Romans again. But this is, this is lower than the angels. And remember, when we're raised with Christ, we're raised above the angels. This isn't Christians. This isn't people who've been born again. This is humanity. Because they're lower than the angels. Remember that hierarchy? 
That's how amazing humanity is. And we as Christians and Bible-believing Christians look at humanity and a lot of the time we go, what the heck's going on? Aren't they horrible? But actually, this is what humanity should be. Keep going, guys. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. This is humanity, our rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. Whose feet? Our feet. Not just Jesus' feet. Our feet. You put everything under their feet. Flocks and herds. Get back to your notes, Lord, don't get this wrong. <laughs> everything is under their feet. He is over everything. We are over everything. The small and the weak are our good stronghold. We have authority over flocks and herds. What does that actually mean when David writes it? What are the flocks of herds? There's a political theory here. The flocks and herds are the means of production. This is the economy. We have authority over the economy. But the authority, the, the economy, the way the economy is going at the moment, feels like it has authority over us. You know, Cape Town have got load shedding, where they switched the electricity off. When I told them what our electricity bill was, they nearly fainted. I said, well, we only pay that price so that we don't have load shedding. We have authority over the economy. As Christians, we don't have to go into recession. As Christians, we don't... I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel here. But we have authority over the economy. And politics. The animals of the wild. The flocks and herds of the system. The animals of the wild and the... Is it birds in the sky? The animals of the wild and birds in the sky. The predatory demonic forces, these... These are the birds that come and steal the seed in the parable of the sower. Huh? We have authority over the demonic. And that's even more so. And the fish in the sea and all that swims the path of the sea. Remember, for an Israeli, for a Jewish mindset, anything in the water is, is chaos. It's demonized. It's, it's where the enemy lives. It's where Leviathan is. It's Because they don't, they don't do boats. Weirdly, for all the Mediterranean nations around them, they don't do boats apart from on the Sea of Galilee. That's inland, so it's not tidal and all that stuff. You know. We have authority. We have authority over the world system. We have authority over the, econom the economy, the politics. We have authority over the demonic. You need a new job? You have authority to find and release that new job. You need a new house? You have authority to pray, to see it, and to release it. You've got to see it first before you release it. Don't just go, oh, I fancy that big house down there, we're released. No, Lord, what are you giving me? Yeah, Remember, it's all what he wants for you, not what you want for you. Because what you want for you won't be the best. It really won't. Maybe you're fa fa facing financial problems because of the gas and electricity bills and all that stuff. We'll release, we have authority over it. And release what God has for us. Maybe you're having trouble with your family, with kids, doing this, that or the next thing. We'll release God's truth over them. 
Don't try and argue them into the kingdom. It doesn't work. Don't try and bully them into the kingdom. It doesn't work. Release the truth into their lives in the heavenly realms. Pray. But not just, oh Lord, could you please, maybe. But with the authority that is ours, we command. And we only command because we've heard what the Lord has said. And do you know why we can do this? Because nothing separates us from the love of God. Do you want the best for your kids? Do you? Would you do anything for them? Would you give them anything? We are God's kids. And he loves us so much that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him. You can finish the scripture, can't you? Might have eternal life. Which starts now. Nothing is in the way. <laughs> I'm going to read what I've put down here. Please forgive me. Oh, what I've written down here, it says, so put on your big boys and girls' pants <laughs> and take authority. Walk in that authority. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. The enemy's robbed too much. Too much. Great coming home and the first thing you see is protect Jeshon Boys Common. And you stand there and look at it and go, but we're not building on the common. <laughs> first thing you see is a lie. But what's our reaction to it most of the time? Why aren't we angry? Not at the protect group, but at the enemy. For letting the... Why do we let the lies prevail? That doesn't mean we do worldly things and go out and take adverts in... No. But why are we not stamping our feet in prayer? Why are we not getting angry? Maybe we don't actually want it to happen. No, I don't know where the five or six million pounds coming from either. But we don't put out the asking basket. Papa has already provided. Not easy to put those two sentences together, if I'm honest. But I can't raise six million pounds. God's got to do it. Because I can't. And neither can any of you. Actually. Are we willing to recognize that we, that nothing separates us from the love of God and from that place have a smile on our face and give thanks and be full of joy and go into battle in praise and worship and say enough is enough. That's what we're doing as we head towards Easter. Easter is the high point. Stuff I started with seeded fear into us. I'm sorry about that. Fear of man. Fear of upsetting people. Fear of lack. Fear of provision. I'm sorry. The process for our building 
So it engendered a degree of disappointment. <laughs> and <laughs> don't know how to spell that, but you know, that's ugh. weariness. Is that God? No. Oh, maybe God's teaching you something through it. Yeah, he will work in every circumstance for those who love him, but I'm not sure this is what's supposed to be happening. <laughs> 